That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. It's week three of the Premier League and the goals keep on coming. Brighton thought they pulled off a late draw thanks to a penalty at the death of Manchester United. Were able to pull a rabbit out of their hat, get their own late penalty and later in stoppage time, which, which Bruno Fernandes scores and gives Manchester United a 3-2 victory. West Brom were all over Chelsea, going up 3-0 in the first half. Marcus Alonso playing so badly, he tried to go home early. But thanks to the academy products, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Tammy Abraham, the Blues were able to scrap a draw against the Baggies. On Sunday, Spurs had a controversial draw against Newcastle, with Spurs conceding a late penalty for a handball in the game ending 1-1 after Newcastle scored in the 7th minute of stoppage time. It was a Jamie Vardy party at the Etihad as he bagged another hat-trick against Manchester City in a 5-2 victory. Manchester City have a new recruit coming to help strengthen the back line, and for the ninth straight year... There was more than three and a half goals at Anfield as Liverpool faced Arsenal. An early Lacazette goal was cancelled out from goals from Sadio Mane and Andy Robertson, as well as new boy Diogo Jota as Liverpool win 3-1. to one. Welcome back to the Ghost Gold Podcast. I'm Andrew Passaro. we got the whole crew today, Javier Revelo, Alex Moss. Everybody's here for the ride. What's going on, fellas? Dude, you're right. There are a ton of goals being scored. Uh yeah, we're it's getting we're, a bit insane now. We need fans. We're, we're back. getting we're getting entertainment from our Premier League weekends. I think I saw statistics saying that uh, there's already been it's, it's something like 30, 30 penalties or twenty twenty eight penalties given, and it's only been three game weeks or something like that, which is absurd. And like th- if if it continues at this rate, it's going to more than triple the amount of penalties like that have ever been given in a Premier League season. So I don't think that they can continue at this rate. I don't think they can keep giving this many penalties. But it seems like almost every game is being decided by penalties right now. So this weekend well, was an absolute yes. shit show. Yeah, for handballs hand and penalties. Yes. yes, they changed the rule, and now now if you like breathe on the ball with your arm somewhere in the eighteen yard box, they get a penalty for it. So uh, that sorry, it's t- t- twenty penalties in 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 three game weeks but that's i feel that still feels like a lot how many and how many and manchester united have only played twice and i think they've had have they had a penalty in both games or just one just the one just the no they've just had one, one just but the one. But they had one given against them just the one I think so there's, far there's been, that's the true that's one. true there we go that's true there's already been four hat tricks and all of them except for sons had multiple penalties in them salas did mm-hmm. farties did mm-hmm. um yeah just it's 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 the pen show right it, now. Yeah, it is. It very much is. Well, we'll start with that Manchester United game, which was the early game Saturday morning, two three, ending to Manchester United. Malpay, Dunk, Rashford, March, and Fernandez. Ten minutes of stoppage time. They had. There was like they kind of blew. It the wasn't final. really. It, it was like six, and then they blew the final whistle, and then checked it for VAR. And by the time he got to take it, it was at ten minutes. But the final whistle had been blown, and. I mean, it was a handball. I, I wouldn't complain about the validity of that. It's just a first for me to see a buzzer-beater penalty in a Premier League. I mean, have we even seen that in, like, 
I've seen this in the NFL, you know, where like you have the defensive penalty on the last play of the game and the offense gets another shot at it. I've never seen that in, in, in soccer. Like, never once have I, like, let alone Premier League. Like, I'm talking, like, and I know we've only had VAR and, and, and any of this recently, but, like, this has to be the first time we've ever seen something, like, on the, the literally the, the absolute death of the game. You get a call like this. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm thinking. I, it's, I, I didn't watch it live, but when I heard afterwards, I definitely thought to myself, well, yeah, that, that, that's a third. That's a first. The only other equivalent I could maybe come up with is uh, it's probably the... Raheem Sterling go-ahead goal against Man City in the Champions League that got chalked off by uh, VAR. That was pretty damn close to the op- uh, to like the opposite reaction uh, happening right at the end. So I mean, we've seen some crazy stuff happen at the end of games from VAR before, but uh, not something that awarded a penalty in the final minute. And I mean, all of it seems to be stemming again from this uh, this uh, I guess reclassification of the handball rule. And it worked in United's favor this weekend, and it absolutely screwed over teams like Spurs and Crystal Palace this weekend. So it's a doozy. It's a rough one. It's rough enough that it seems like all the managers have gotten together, uh, whether it's uh, benefiting them or not benefiting them. Uh, I think it was uh, Steve Bruce, who was like the Newcastle manager who was benefited by the penalty that was given against Tottenham. He straight out said, like, I'm happy that I got the draw, but this handball rule and like uh, how it's being implemented and the way it's affecting games like already like three games into the league all over and every single every single match week it seems it's ridiculous and it needs to be looked at again before it uh, affects enough weeks that it like ruins the season yeah, it's I think th- I think more than more than that last pen- minute penalty, which yeah, it was very lucky. Manchester United didn't deserve to get anything from this game. I think we should talk about like how unlucky Brighton were otherwise because. Uh, I mean, I know that it's happened before that teams have hit the woodwork five times, but literally Brighton hit the woodwork five times in this game, which, I mean, Bruno Fernandes made this cheeky comment after the game being like, well, you know, the, the point of the game is to score goals, not to hit the woodwork, but like... I mean, you guys got lucky as shit, Bruno. Like Brighton should have smashed you. Two weeks in you a row. Know. That they're 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 yeah, these y- are teams y- they should absolutely, without a doubt, be beating. Like they beat the shit out of Brighton down the stretch. Like what two months ago? I mean, Brighton shouldn't not one hundred percent be beating Manchester United. They just had a good no, enough performance. I think, that I, think they did. He, I think he's saying United should be beating Brighton. Yes, right? that's what I'm saying. Or is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, he's saying United should be beating. And Brighton, they should have beaten like, Palace on week one. Game. Or their week one. Yeah, they're they're struggling through these first two games for sure, and you know. I mean, to but they they, they got two wins, penalty. yeah. No, they didn't. They, well, they got they one got t- win and one loss. Uh, oh yeah, okay. No, sorry, they lost. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's. But United, you always start the season slow. Like I feel like under under all in the and we've we've seen this. I think under Mourinho was the only t- only time in recent history that we've seen United start well. Was like there was that one season they won six or seven games to start the year. But other than that, like it seems like they kind of build their way up into the season and 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 grow as a team. So I wouldn't be too worried. I'd be like, it's a better sign that they're winning games that they play badly at the beginning. And like, you know, like much like Chelsea, I, I think it's worrying for Brighton that they. I mean, at the same time, I'm sure they can get a lot of positives that they you know created so many chances and played so well. But they are losing these games that they should absolutely be crushing these teams like Chelsea and United, even more so the like the United one. So uh, I mean, it's a little worrying uh, for Brighton. I'll say this: this will sound like I'm standing up just for Chelsea, but uh, Brighton outplayed Manchester United much more than they did Chelsea. Like we we weren't great on the opening day, 
But Brighton didn't really have like too many clear cut chances. They didn't hit the foot post like four or five times like they did with United. They were down 2 1 at one point and missed like a, an open header at the back post to dunk. But other than that, they didn't really create much. Uh, in this United game, the amount of chances when you go back and watch it, it's 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 almost staggering to see um, it, how, like how many they they did miss, and they still almost came out of it with a point, a point that would have been very well earned. And, and that's, so I, I'm not I'm not worried about them. And, and I agree, I'm not worried too much about Brighton potentially getting relegated. I'd be if I was a Manchester United fan, I'd be concerned on the sheer fact that you know they're talked about every single day. Fabrizio Romano's tweeting about them and Sancho and. And there's no discussions about bringing in a center back. There's there's talks of Alex Tellis coming in from Porto, who's been linked to he was linked to Chelsea before they went and got Chilwell. But there's no discussion about them signing center back. Which, I, yes, I think bringing in Sancho would certainly help this team. But I've never been like, oh, Manchester United, their biggest problem right now is they can't score goals. Their biggest problem right now is that they're conceding goals and they needed a center back to pair alongside Harry Maguire. I don't I don't understand how they're not trying to get that signing over the line. And that that's what makes absolutely no sense to me. And as long as they are without that other dominant center back next to Maguire, they're going to be a team that's not like firmly in my mind, a top four team, but a team that's going to be fighting for it until the last day. And I, I know it's early days, but still, like to to start the season like this is not like they've got Tottenham this weekend. They come out of the break and they've got Newcastle and then they got Chelsea and then they've got Arsenal right after that. So they don't have time. They don't have you know a few weeks to like just sit around and and you know scrap by against these mid to lower table clubs. They've got big games on the horizon coming very quickly, and if they don't you know play well, they're gonna dig themselves into a deeper hole just like they did last year so i don't know if they're gonna you know go make a signing in january that's gonna have the impact that bruno fernandez does that's that's my big concern if i was a manchester united fan i personally as a liverpool fan i love it but we'll see what happens there uh so we'll move along crystal palace lose, loses 2-1 to, to everton again more controversy there with the charleston penalty uh but everton get another win they were temporarily uh second in the table but Liverpool pass over them with their victory over Arsenal. And then we get to the surprising game of the weekend, I would say, which was West Brom. Chelsea was the 12:30 game and West Brom just went absolutely bonkers. They get the first goal in the fourth minute and then two goals within two minutes with Callum Robinson scoring in the 25th and Kyle Bartley scoring in the 27th. And then the second half, we see some changes from Frank Lampard. He drops Kovacic, drops Marcus Alonso. They bring in Callum Hudson-Odoi and they make three goals and they draw it alex there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of fun had at chelsea's expense on saturday afternoon but what was your initial takeaway from this uh disappointing draw on the road against west brom i mean i was pissed off that we were obviously in the position in the first place because you go from assuming that game is an automatic three points to okay now we're going to be lucky to get a point out of this which is just a frustrating uh, position to be in against a team that everyone else seems to have scored three to five goals against this season. Um, but, you know, I knew from watching West Brom before uh, that, you know, it's been in the second half that they've tended to break down and uh, succumb to the pressure. So I, I, I wasn't worried about, like, wasn't, I would be lying if I said I wasn't worried about Chelsea losing, but I was fully confident they could get back into the game. It was just whether they could get that extra push and do the impossible and win it that I was kind of sitting there, like, hoping for. But, 
you know, for mistakes, very obvious mistakes from mainly Marcus Alonso and then uh, obviously Thiago Silva in his Premier League debut on that second one. Uh, those three mistakes that are eliminated, and you, you know, you're, you're you're shooting your own, you're shooting yourself in the foot here. So I, I don't think the team was playing badly after initially going behind in the fourth minute. We created two great chances that Tammy Abraham and Timo Werner uh, both just missed. And once uh, Thiago Silva slipped and gave away that second goal and then the third goal two minutes afterwards, the whole team seemed to have uh, lost confidence and lost the momentum that we'd been building and and looked like we were going to uh, put like three or four uh, past them anyway with them only having the one. So um, to, to have like especially the effort I, I mentioned on Twitter from all of the academy lads like who, who got the goals, like Mason Mount, you could see from him, Callum Hudson-Odoi, uh, Tammy Abraham, Reese James, Christensen, like all over the pitch. Those academy players, especially, were they they were not giving up, and they knew that we were perfectly capable of coming back into it. And then there was uh, a nice little performance from Kai Havertz, who you know just sort of drifted into whatever little spaces West Brom left available and managed to link things up in the attacking third like well enough. So. Uh, we've got some baby steps uh, that we took after taking an, an initial big one or two steps back in the first half, but just happy we didn't end up with another loss because uh, I think I I can't remember where I saw it. Someone on Twitter that this was the first time a Premier League team has come back from 3-0 down to not lose at least uh, since uh, Manchester United did it at Stamford Bridge to us. Back in like 2012, which I remember being, I remember thinking that of can't that be like true. a loss. It's like that can't be true. It's it's got to be Cristanbol, Crystal Palace, Liverpool. That was in 2014. Okay, so yeah, I don't know. The tweet I saw must have been wrong then. Maybe it was Chelsea specific or something. Also, recently, recently Newcastle, or not that long ago. I mean, this was probably five or six years ago. But we were they were down four 0 against us and came back. That was around the same time. That was around like 2012, wasn't it? I think it was a little bit it later. Was, no, it was during I think the it was a little bit like 2014, Depardieu, 2013, yeah. But it had been a long time, I heard. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it sucks to not beat West Brom, but at the same time, it could have been much, much worse. And I'm happy that we at least got to shut up a few of the fans who uh, thought Chelsea were imploding in the first half. Is Callum Hudson a doy starting? Do you think on uh, in the next Chelsea game? I thought he came on and had a good performance and played well today again. In what I watched the League Cup game, who knows? With uh, no one seems to have a good idea of when Pulisic and ZX are going to be back. It, they keep saying that they're close, but uh, they, yeah, I, I haven't seen them yet. And if they're not starting, then I would imagine Frank would stick to uh, probably Mason playing out uh, wider. Just because what what I have seen from Hudson Odoi when he has played in these last two games, including the West Brom game and the Tottenham Carabao Cup game today, is that. Uh, he's just really, really uh, behind it on defensively off the ball. He's, his, his pressure on the ball and uh, the way he sort of like uh, melds with the rest of the team off the ball just isn't quite there. Whereas Mason is a little bit more experienced and a harder worker in that regard. So he could be because he's the only healthy winger available. Uh, but and he scored that very nice goal against West Brom. But uh, I, I think Frank is gonna, you know go for Kai Havertz and Mason Mount over uh, someone like Hudson-Odoi at this point until Pulisic and uh, ZH are back. I thought that Mason Mount was really the, the catalyst for everything that good that Chelsea did in that second half. I thought that all the all the good play 
came through him. I thought he had a hand in all three goals, and you know he scored the first one kind of out of nothing. He had the pass before to Havertz to put in Hudson Adoy, and then uh, I think with Tammy Abraham as well, he, he he had a part in that. So he's I thought he was excellent, and you know he's a player who seems to kind of have a, a you know even if when Chelsea are down, he's kind of like you know screw this like. You know, let's pull us back into this game and have a little pride for the team. So, pretty crazy that Chelsea go and spend you know two hundred and something million. You know, their big signings, Werner and Havertz. I know, I thought Havertz was decent. I know that he had that good link up play with with the Hudson Odoi goal, but I didn't think he was anything spectacular outside of that. And Timo Werner, he was almost non-existent outside of that one chance he had in the first half. So, it's pretty awesome that Chelsea used their academy products to dig themselves out of this hole. And I mean, it shows that they have depth. They have you know that a lot of the same players played again today in that Tottenham game and I think you could tell in the second half that I don't personally really like the way Frank's managing the team right now because I think that there should have been a few more players like Mason Mount rested in that Tottenham game that they played today because I thought that the fatigue you could tell in the second half like they just played a couple days ago Tottenham had a lot of a very different team than what they played in the weekend and you know some of the, some of their more fresh players like Lamella were able to make that difference today, and yeah, I, I think that Frank needs to needs to. I know that he's missing a lot of players right now. The team's still molding together. Let me put it there's, this way: I could, I could agree with that uh, for Mason specifically, but on the other hand, it just goes to show you how important Mason Mount is to Frank's plans. Like if. If he wants to be able to press the ball in any kind of fashion, Mason Mount has to be out there because otherwise we just don't have. Yeah, Angola or Mason Mount. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it's uh, one of those two. So it's Mark Marcus Alonso's done, right? Like, is he is he I out mean, the window? Not in like a, if it was up to you. If it was up to you, would no, he be Emerson, done? No, Emerson. Emerson would be gone. Emerson has shown so continuously that he just he's not a left back. He's he's not even a left wing back. He literally just left. What's his name? Lamella at the back post a couple hours ago to let Tottenham score that equalizer. He didn't even realize that that was his man until the ball was in the air coming into Lamella. So I, I would get rid of him before I get rid of Marcus Alonso because at least Alonso can play in the three four three. He pops up with big goals when you when you need him to. Uh, he, he's, he's got something about him, whereas Emerson is you know. At this point, he doesn't really make up for all of the hassle he gives you defensively with any of his offensive play. So get rid of him first. All right, we'll move on from Chelsea. Uh, Chilwell go to looks uh, nice last. Sorry, yeah, I just want to Chilwell add one more time. Chilwell looked nice today. Only when he went off did Chelsea concede. So looking forward to more Chilwell. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all knew he once once he was fit. He's the left back for Chelsea for the next you know years. For sure. Uh, Last set, last game from Saturday, Burnley losing 1-0 to Southampton. Of course, the weekend, I don't bet on Southampton. They actually get a win, uh, which brings us to Sunday. Uh, Alex nailed this with uh, Leeds getting the win, but not uh, Sheffield United. Uh, no over this weekend for Leeds. Um, we'll probably be back on that train as they play Manchester City this weekend. Tottenham and Newcastle. I know we, bre- we briefly mentioned this game already, but Tottenham getting a goal in the 25th and then a controversial penalty. Uh, very, very late in the game for Newcastle and Spurs, uh, again, drop points, a rough one for them. And they obviously get the win today in the League Cup. They We talked about this, I think, off the pod. Just Spurs scheduling right now is absolutely brutal. They played on Sunday. They played on Tuesday. They play on Thursday. And then they play on Sunday again. So that's four games in eight days, which... You will hear Jose Mourinho complain about quite a lot. Uh, another Harry Kane assist in this game. Um, I mean, hey, if they hate I mean, playing all these games, why didn't they lose that Chelsea game today on purpose? Come on, guys. 
<laughs> yes. I, I think here's the, the thing I'll celebrating say. celebrating pe- winning penalties when no no keeper made a single save in the penalty shootout. It took us uh, missing it. I'll say this. I think I think Spurs realistically should look at the League Cup as something they could win. And I think if that's I think Jose Mourinho's biggest thing with them has to be winning a trophy this year in some capacity. I think they're capable of winning the League Cup. I think they're capable of winning uh, the Europa League. I think he like yeah they would love to re-qualify for the Champions League again, but I think the biggest thing for them is getting silverware. They haven't done it since Gareth Bale was at the club the last time, and that was like what it was a League Cup in like 2013, 2012, something like that. It's been it's been a considerable amount of time since they took home actual silverware that wasn't the Audi Cup. So I I, I understand. And here's the thing. They didn't start a striker today. They started Bergvine and fucking Lamella up top. Like, yeah, they were also like, 100% dog shit for the entire game. And then, you know, scored the one chance at the end. I mean, they were definitely more... Th- they, were, they, they were better, they were in, the better in the second half. half they were a lot better in the second like half. They definitely looked like they had more threat when Kane came, like, came on. That's kind of natural. But, you know, we didn't have like a ton of chances either. But we probably should have taken at least one of them to wrap that one up. The... They got hella unlucky against Newcastle. Super Son hit unlucky. the woodwork yeah. twice. Uh, Kane, uh, their Newcastle's keeper Darlow made I think eleven saves yeah, on the day, holy and shit. like some of those three saves or, were <laughs> right. Three or four were like point blank chances for Harry Kane and for Human Son. So um, I think Jose said after the and match then, and then, that uh, Carl, Dar- Carl Darlow, weird name to say, was man of the match. Uh, unless you're you're going to count uh, people off the pitch. <laughs> the nice little veiled sniper that they are. But yeah, I, I, and, and he did mention that he did not care about the cup today. So the fact that they were able to get the win in penalties, I mean, I'm sure that he, he does actually care because he, he always brags about he wins trophies. Every, in every other stint right, at an English so. club, Chelsea the first time, Chelsea the second time, and then Manchester United, he's won the Carabao Cup. Uh, so yeah, why not, why not this time? I mean, I'm sure that so, would, would keep them happy. Mourinho versus Pep in the final is what 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 I'm saying right now for for the Carabao Cup final. Right, like, Pep seems to be the only object. other manager who gives a shit yes. about it. Immovable object, unstoppable force. Uh, I butchered that, but uh, there you go. And let's move right along to Manchester City, who got spanked by Leicester five two at home. Uh, Mares opened the scoring early, and then Jamie Vardy penalty in the 37th. Uh, he gets the a second goal in the 53rd, another penalty in the 58th. James Madison scored a belter in the 77th. That was a sick yeah, goal. Did. Nathan Ake scoring in the 84th, and Tielemans with another, another penalty for Leicester City. Quite a performance from Leicester, who find themselves, I believe they, they are top of the table right now. Uh, they have three wins in three. They've given up the fewest amount of... Uh, they have the best goal differential of between them, Liverpool, and Everton. The only three teams who have, are three for three so far. I have a take about Manchester City that, you know, you say to me, you're watching Manchester City in the Premier League. I think of three players that are going to play, and it's Sergio Aguero, David Silva, and Vincent Company. Those three players are who I think of with Manchester City out there. Are like, Am I wrong to think that there's there's a leadership problem in Manchester City or is this just the back line still hasn't been fixed like like what what where where am I like point me wrong here in this in this loss at home and another game where Jamie Vardy just does good things against Manchester City well I think there's something very much to the the fact that Gabriel Jesus went down with an injury uh I think a, a couple of days before this game and you know like you said they were they were already missing Aguero 
And uh, I don't think it's any secret that Raheem Sterling hasn't been exactly in great form for the last few months now. Like, when was the last time you thought Raheem Sterling was absolutely like at his best? It's it's been a minute. Well, well, since since the restart, he he did score the most goals after the restart because well, so Aguero was missing. Not exactly but, like, true. I, I I still think uh, right. Sterling, when he's relied upon to be that like goal scorer up top by himself. I don't think it's the best option for them. And uh, Gabriel Jesus, not just for like his poaching ability, but for his ability to trigger presses uh, so well the way uh, Pep wants. Uh, I think he's their best option uh, if that's if that's their goal in games, even ahead of uh, Sergio Aguero, who's usually looked at as a bit more of a, a, a lazy presser, who's uh, more inclined to try and position himself to be in the right area when City get the ball back than to help them win it back. So, uh, I mean, the, the, defen- the defense is definitely an issue, but they had a pretty strong midfield too, and that midfield just got eaten up by Nampalas Mendy and Yuri Tielmans, so... Uh, it's the midfield, it's the forward line not pressing correctly, and it's the defense for giving away dumb penalties. It's all three phases of the ball for this Leicester uh, game specifically. And let's just face it, Leicester are in really good time, form right now. They're in great form. This was the first time that a away team in the Premier League has conceded three penalties, which is pretty crazy statistic there. You mean, wait, like City I, were at home. Or sorry, a home team. A home team has conceded three penalties. Yeah, um, first time that a, a home team has has gotten three penalties against them. Jamie Vardy becomes the second player to score, or was already one of two players to score a hat trick against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. Who do you guys think the other one was? Was it Romelu Lukaku for Everton? No. Nope. Uh, Mo Salah. Nope. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Uh, Manchester City were linked to him heavily this summer. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. We did a whole podcast about him. Oh, Messi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I thought I was thinking of just Premier League players. Uh, nope. Nope. It was uh, Lionel Messi. So I was very excited by that win. I did have Jamie Vardy to score at any time, and he obviously scored three times. But we'll see. The, the uh, Manchester we, City. Okay. The defense I want to mention a little bit more about because they did just announce earlier today that they're uh, signing uh, Ruben Dias from Benfica, who's a 23-year-old center back. He's been playing in the Portuguese national team for a good few years now. Um, he, I, he's not the finished product. He's certainly not their first choice. Uh, supposedly they wanted Koulibaly first. Didn't want to deal with uh, De Laurentiis's bullshit at Napoli. So they moved on to, uh, I think his name's Jules Kunde from uh, Sevilla, the center back who was uh, their, their outstanding performer in the Europa League winning team. Uh, couldn't get him either. I'm not sure what uh, stopped that from happening. And so they've settled on Ruben Dias, who's a good player, a very aggressive center back, kind of similar mold to Otamendi, who they've just sent back to Benfica uh, in kind of an exchange deal. But um, I think it's probably a better idea to have a younger, more promising asset who plays in that way and can learn, hopefully, and grow into something bigger than to have someone like Otamendi, who clearly isn't going to change and you kind of know what you're going to get from him. It's uh, it's going to be mistakes and fouls as well. So at least with Ruben Dias, they have the chance for uh, that player to actually become something. So they've made two center back signings in Ake and Dias. They're not world beater signings like uh, uh, Koulibaly would have been. 
So that that puts a dent in their uh, in their Premier League uh, <laughs> like winner, winning hopes, and I certainly don't feel as confident about it as I did uh, a month ago or a couple weeks ago when the season started, and I predicted City to win the league title. I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sticking with my Liverpool pick. Did uh, you we're gonna pick walk Liverpool in the in the beginning? I Do did. we need to check the tapes on that? Because I'm pretty sure you and I both please, went Manchester City the and the, the Andrew went Liverpool. No, I said if they sign Koulibaly, but okay, they didn't. I said the so same things. Not, okay, so we get bailed out on both. Great. Okay, good. Just so just so that we're, well, uh, we're I'm squatting there. on this take. I'm squatting on this take right now that Liverpool are going to walk the league again because Manchester City's back line is still going to be erratic and a mess, and and they're not going to fix the problem. Here's the, the better the, question. Like, Who's the better question? Will City finish... Uh, in third or lower, and what team would finish second? The answer is we don't, I don't fucking think, I know because it's only second. three weeks into the season. That's the real answer, guys. Haven't you learned anything that, with me that's yet? That's true. No, we haven't learned that's anything. That's true. Um, Leicester have scored I five goals say, in the last two games each, and they're probably going to fall apart in December. <laughs> this is true. Well, no, they fall apart in January. January is sure, where it comes. January. I'll uh, give it until it's, then. That's that's where our Brendan Rodgers team always falls asleep. Is in January, uh, falls apart. Is in January. Um, by the way, shout out Manchester City. Uh, some website I retweeted it. By the way, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod at Andrew Pissarro at asmos ninety two at Javi Arev nine and Javier Arev nine on Twitter. They tweeted out Citizens' new signing ask uh, ask Koulibaly a question. So um, so that's a pretty bad fuck up on the internet, which I enjoyed. Um, and and Pep Guardiola has now spent four hundred million on on defensive players at Manchester City. So that's a lot of money. That's 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 all I'm going to say. Uh, moving on, uh, West Ham absolutely lambasted Wolves for nothing. Um, which really made me feel like an idiot because I told everyone to bet on Wolves and I told everyone to bet on Wolves keeping a clean sheet because they had shut out West Ham four straight times since they returned to the Premier League. And that obviously didn't happen. Uh, Aston Villa got a 3 nothing blanking of Fulham, who uh, look really bad. Their owner was tweeting to, uh, tweeted after the loss about they need to go sign center backs and they still haven't done that and that they're going to work on that. Um, but good luck to them. Um, Just one note on that West Ham Wolves game because Wolves losing four nil to West Ham is pretty. They, they it's have the crazy. ultimate tonic. They have uh, Fulham in their next game. <laughs> yeah, they'll be, they, they'll be fine. it's true. It's all going to be okay, but, guys. Uh, Fulham's coming up. Fulham. At but home. I thought West Ham played really, really well. And I thought Wolves were dreadful. So I think that's just a little bit something to look at there. So I think West Ham, we were all kind of picking them as that third team to get relegated. I kind of feel like they're they're definitely going to be fighting fighting it till the end. Well, they played we'll, so they well that quality. Chelsea might go in and sign Declan Rice before the uh, the deadline. And then and then what will you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's hope let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, Come home. Speaking Declan. of West Ham, what? Speaking of West Ham, shout out David Moyes who wasn't on the touchline for this game because. He's got COVID right now, and Alan Irvine coached them to their four nil victory and first points of the season. But so the announcers made it very uh, clear to everyone that every decision was going to be going through David Moyes and that he would be watching at home. I thought that was hilarious, and I was wondering, like, would they have said it that many times if West Ham didn't win four nil? If they were down three nil, would oh, they be there? Sure like, of course, David Moyes is all all of his hands are his hands are all over this performance. He's got a lot of influence on the team, even from home. Like, no, just with the win, just in the win, he. he they need to make sure that was mentioned. Yeah, David Moyes, man. Minutes in, and we still haven't mentioned a ghost goal bowl. I'm, I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud. 
Yeah. I mean, well, what needs to be said? This happens every time. We just, we're a lock to beat Arsenal in a goal fest at Anfield. This was not every at time. Anfield. This was not okay, like every the, time. Get the results at out Anfield? first. Get the results out. And then at Anfield? The it's a, it's a f- this was not like every time, though. Are, are you ready for this? Okay, it's usually us going up one nil. That is usually every time, and then, and then you spank us. But that immediately scoring that, afterwards. Yes. Okay. That's, okay. I literally texted everyone I knew saying that. But games, games at Anfield. Go ahead. Games at Anfield the, in the, the Premier the, League. Last no, no, no. August twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, three one. December twenty ninth, uh, twenty eighteen, five one. Uh, August 27th, 2017, 4-0. Uh, March of 2017, 3-1. Uh, okay, fine, you guys drew this one, but January 13th of 2016, 3-3. You drew this one as well. December 21st of 2014, 2-2. February of 2014, 5-1. The last Arsenal victory at Anfield was September of 2012. Okay, the, my point is we were in the game till the end, which is not... Not really. Uh, I mean, uh, we were. It was two one until the 88th minute. For the minute. amount of beatdowns, what are you talking about, dude? Past, you can you can recognize La- when it's not the same Arsenal. I mean, Lacazette, Lacazette was in one v one against Allison and could have made it two two. And he scores that goal, and that game probably ends two two. And Allison, who so, was a risk as of Friday, makes great save, makes two great saves. And I, I gotta say, shout out Joe Gomez. He had a like honestly, that was Joe Gomez's best game for Liverpool since before the the lockdown. Like. He was real shaky when they came back, and he was fantastic against Arsenal on 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 Monday afternoon. He was playing long balls so like this Virgil was Van not Dyke. a typical game like Liverpool Arsenal where we were out of it. Usually in the first half we're down three nil, and then we maybe score a goal or you know it, it, this was much closer. Yes, I will. Give we you played that. you guys a lot. I will. We played you guys that. a lot closer than we usually play you at Anfield, especially with a backline of David Luiz. Uh, you know, Tierney and Holding, which I'm not sure if I would have played, started that with Arteta. I mean, David Luiz did play pretty well, but I thought that Gabriel had done enough in the first two games to deserve a start in this game. And I kind of, I kind of feel like we missed him in this, in this game, but I thought that Ainsley Maitland-Niles for the first time really got just run ragged uh, by Mohamed Salah and by Trent. And it's the first time he's looked really, really vulnerable in that left wing back role which I know he's done well in the past for us there, but I kind of wish Kieran Tierney had started there and we had played Gabriel at left center back. I didn't. I did not understand playing a back four in this game. It didn't make sense to me at all for you guys. Trent, they did, they, no, we played a back, back five. five. It was yeah. just okay. It was kind of like a hybrid, though. I mean, there was a lot of times where uh, Mike and Niles was pushed into midfield, and then we were kind of playing like a back four. And that's how how we have been playing our back five. But I thought that this game, we could have used that aerial presence in the box. Trent was just raining crosses in the whole time. And, you know, even Rob- Robertson was... Bayerine did pretty well against Robertson. He ended up getting that goal. But, I don't know, I thought that we could have definitely used a little bit more defensive power on that left wing. And then, Willian was... You're, you're starting to get a taste for know. him. I thought he you? was all right. He was good. You're def- starting to get a taste for him. Yeah, aren't you? He, he, was, ah. he was. He was good defensively, but he, he shows didn't up with do three assists against Fulham. But then for the next two games, he's just sort right. of sitting around like, "Hey, I did my part in that one game. Give me a break here. I'm Willian. He I'm not supposed to show up for yeah, another four games know. now." <laughs> I, I kind of wish that Pepe may have started this game because he gave Liverpool a lot of trouble last season. And even though Willian did a, did have a couple of good defensive plays he really did offered us nothing offensively and 
Um, we looked a lot more dangerous when he actually came off the pitch. So just, you know, a few positives for us to take. Again, like the biggest one being that we were in the game till the end. Like the players had belief at halftime that like, okay, we're two one down, but we can still get a draw out of this, you know. Um, and I think that's that's the biggest difference between that these this Liverpool game and the ones that we've played for the last six years. So or four years, four years um, since we last got a result at Anfield. So that's my biggest takeaway. The thing from I'd this. be more worried about is I, the I also, fact that you guys didn't really look like you had a like a really workable plan of passing it out of the back. Like every time you guys started like committing to pass it out of the back. Liverpool just had that shit figured out and were just like pouncing on guys. Yeah, there were a couple times it got broken through and there were some mistakes, but like uh, the overall picture, Liverpool's pressing looks like as good in this game as I've seen it look against like another top half side for for a while now. Yeah, I would I would totally agree. And uh, like when, Chelsea had like a clear Joe- plan of like playing out from the back. It wasn't it, it wasn't that great either. So you know, I guess you, know, you shouldn't feel that bad about it, but. It was more defined than well, okay, what Arsenal like, were trying to do. Like Aubameyang like, was getting Ar- dragged back said, too much to be much of a threat. Arteta said in the press conference, like, I mean, Liverpool's just such an incredibly hard side to play against. Where like they'll press you the entire game, and then you'll pass it out the back or whatever, and uh, or you'll press them, and then Van Dijk will just play a sixty-yard ball down the field and break your press, and then suddenly all of your offensive players have to run back fifty or sixty yards. Um, all because the center back placed like a perfect pass to Mohamed Salah or to Sadio Mane. So I think that's something that our team is going to strive to do. We're still, you know, this is year five or six for Klopp having this team. This is, you know, Arteta hasn't even been in charge for, what, seven months right now. So we're at very different stages of the project. We still have a lot of dead weight on the team. So the fact that we were able to stay in this game versus an obviously much better team who almost had double our points last season, like, I, I, I take heart. I take heart. In in that, you know what I mean? Like, I take heart in that type of performance it, versus it is, a team that is clearly better than us. It's kind of funny, though, that the two games Liverpool have had at Anfield this season, we've seen the two ends of the spectrum in terms of, like, how you're going to approach, like, like, playing against Liverpool. Leeds just going all, all out attack, let you score as much as you want, but we're going to score goals ourselves. We're going to force mistakes. And then Arsenal, who are like, all right, guys, let's limit their goals as much as possible and we'll wait for their mistakes. It, it's just kind of weird seeing those two teams take the such opposite approaches you'd think that like the traditional thing has been the relegation or the promoted side does that what arsenal did and now we're seeing you know the team that is you know the up, up the other end of the table trying to do that exact same thing i, I welcome the dark side I'm, danny I'm not, I'm i welcome not, the dark sure side trying to use that as like a slanted arsenal it's just an interesting like this is what makes the premier league interesting you know you've got promoted teams uh, going all out press against the best team in the country in the first game of the season and then you've got like a team of Arsenal's size and, and history doing the exact opposite not a slant just like an observation it's just interesting I, I gotta say uh, I'm very excited for, for Jota uh, he came on and it was like they literally I mean he alright a lot of people have compared him to Sadio Mane because his stats at Wolves are like similar to what Mane had done at Southampton prior to him arriving at Liverpool. But Mane comes off, you know, he played 80 minutes of good football, and Jota comes on and has three clear chances. He's pressing. It's it's like you literally just subbed on another version, like a, like not a carbon copy, but like a cheaper copy of of Sadio Mane. And to have that available to come off the bench is something that. Liverpool really haven't had in a while. I mean, I know they they kind of have it in Shakiri, but he's a guy you. The only thing you can clearly say about him is he's gonna get hurt, 
And I love Divac Origi. He's going to leave a club legend because of the goals in the in the Barcelona game and in the Champions League final. But he's not a guy who's who I really think is going to help us win another try, like another another title. I, I just I don't think we can consistently count on him to be the guy. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he moves on in the in the coming weeks or in the coming week, I guess, of transfer window being open. But to have that type of player come on in the sec late late in the game comes on ices the game for us is exactly what we needed and that's why i was i was very excited to see him signed but i don't remember sadio mane going on three month long goal goal droughts that's that's that's, <laughs> that's true. Been my one criticism of jota the entire time at uh wolves is that he would have great spells of form but then would go absolutely dry for three or four months at a time it was glaring yeah but he's a talented they're player not- no doubt do we I just mean, want to mention the, thing, the like, United Tottenham game uh, coming up this weekend yeah. before we go? Because I mean, I mean, there are plenty of good games this weekend, but that one obviously stands out. Yeah, there's 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 a few good games, but uh, uh, by the way, Leeds Manchester City. That's over City, by the way. Uh, not not no. Okay, that's the wrong phrasing. The over and goals is absolutely going to hit in that game. But uh, yes, uh, Manchester United taking on Tottenham. I think that that is going to be a doozy because both teams need points. Both teams haven't necessarily looked their best yet, and this is usually quite like this was a that was like one of the first really good games back from once we restarted. I think that was like the opening weekend of the restart was that was the yeah the big game the one one um, at mm-hmm. it, or in Tottenham or at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, yeah, and obviously it's Mourinho going back to Old Trafford. So, I mean, no fans, so it takes a little bit of the zing out of it. But, yeah, it's two teams that don't want to play with the ball uh, and want the other team to make a mistake and for them to react to it. So it's always kind of a, a coin flip, and it always has the potential to be boring as hell because, uh, I mean, I, it was absolutely insufferable watching Chelsea play Tottenham today and we had the ball for most of it it was just like these this team doesn't even want to win they don't even want to attack they're just waiting for you to like mess up somehow and that's what they're gonna feast off of and it's I mean when, when you put these two teams together I, I'll probably lean towards United just because of the few more attacking options I know Son is gonna be out until after the international break and it doesn't look like uh, Bale will be uh, fit just yet either so um, it's gonna be a lot riding on Harry Kane and uh, Celso and Lucas Mora to uh, to to bang in the goals and I don't know I just I, I feel like United will walk out of this one just barely winning it. Yeah, I think two one Man United to be totally honest. I think I think two one has is a decent chance. I honestly could see one nil too. Um, also, shout out uh, get well soon at Tiago who has COVID and is now not playing for Liverpool until after the uh, international break. So oh Tiago Alcantara. I was a little yeah. heart attack there for a second. I was like, "Oh my god, is that why Tiago Silva didn't didn't play today?" Uh, no, I hope um, he didn't he give was, it to He was anyone. like a yeah. Hopefully, I, 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 he was a doubt going into the game, so I don't know what was up with that. But um, yeah, he for sure won't be playing in the international break for Spain. So other decent games coming up this weekend: Chelsea Crystal Palace will be fun. Everton Brighton, watch that space because Everton are undefeated right now. They should win that game handily and remain in the top half of the table. Aston Villa um, Liverpool. It's Aston be a fun Villa one. Liverpool. Uh, Aston Villa also undefeated. I know they they haven't you know necessarily had a tough schedule yet, but um, that was that was a nervy game last year because this is and it's at Aston Villa where they almost beat us up until those light, sure. those two goals at the death. So that that should be. It'll be interesting. There's no fans this time, so I, I will. I'm very curious to see how that plays out. I 
I think Liverpool might get to wear the um, they might get to wear the away kit for this the the all the all aqua thing that they wore in their League Cup game. It can't be any worse like. than the ones we wore at West Brom. Yes, this is tr- this is true. This is true. All right, guys. Well, uh, for my ga- uh, gambling picks, by the way, I had another positive week, four of seven after the uh, emergency giving out Aston Villa, which I liked from the get-go, but after having a horrible Sunday, I had to give that out. Uh, you can follow that at, uh, I'll, I'll always put that out right around Friday on noon at the, uh, Friday at noon on the Ghost Goal Instagram and then later in the afternoon on Twitter. Um, so at Ghost Goal Pod for both of those, at Andrew Passaro at ASMoss92, Javier Rev 9 at Javier Rev 9 as well so follow us along and uh until next time see you